This is the Mike Lupica Podcast. This podcast is great because your enthusiasms, it's why we've all been reading you for so long. This is a great vehicle for you to actually get to in a long-form way, explore those enthusiasms, sometimes with the perspective of an additional 10 or 20 years. Thanks for doing this today, pal. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having the me. fun of this is, I just talk to guys that I want to talk to. That's what, to me, is such a blast about listening to your show. First of all, the first time I ever saw Bernie on television, I started to talk like him <laughs> as I was watching him. <laughs> Can you imagine a great Michael Jordan saying, hey, you know what? We can't beat the Pistons. Let me go join them. The essence of sports is about competition. In your face questions. How much of a dope is he? Compelling. A billion dollar industry, the biggest we've ever had in sports in this country, often comes down to a flip of the coin. This is the Mike Lupica Podcast. Here's Mike Lupica. Mike Lupica. Hello and thanks for joining us again on the Mike Lupica Podcast. Uh, with NFL training camps in full swing and the preseason games about to start, who better to talk football with? And I mean, there's nobody better than this guy, than former NFL general manager who has history with the Colts, the Browns, and the New York Giants. He famously made the draft day trade for Eli Manning that changed New York Giants history. He's the great Ernie Accorsi. But before we get started with Ernie, I want to tell you about our great new sponsor, Indochino, who make it easier than ever to get a custom-made quality suit. This week, my listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $369 at Indochino.com when entering Lupica at checkout. That's 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit. Plus, shipping is, wait for it, free. Go to their website and check them out. You'll be amazed at how accurate their measuring system is, even without actually being in the showroom. That's Indochino.com, promo code Lupica, for any premium suit for just $369 and free shipping. That's an incredible deal for a premium made to measure suit. Believe me, once you go custom, you don't go back. If you have followed this podcast or any other part of my career, you know, I was just saying this to my sons the other night, my daughter, that whatever list I make of, of the people that I like the best and respect the most in my career in this business, of course, he, of, of formerly of the New York Giants and the Browns and the Colts will always be at the top of, of that list. Uh, he was general manager of the Colts. He was general manager of the Cleveland Browns. He was general manager of the New York Giants. Uh, he is a Wake Forest guy, one of the lesser, you know, not not a football power like Boston College. Um, and uh, he's in the Hall of Fame there. He's in the Ring of Honor with the New York Giants. Um, and he somehow now is just his role that I see it in the NFL is man about town. Good morning, Mr. Corsi. Michael, good morning to you and thank you they're, would you think that you, would you think ernie that man about town is a good description of where you are right now if you describe it as, as an aging man who basically watches baseball in his apartment <laughs> yes <laughs> ernie you know we, we were doing a sports reporters podcast the other day ryan and i and we, we were talking about this list yeah, and, and it's as good a jumping off point as any because all lists are, that's what they are. They're jumping off points that are supposed to inspire debate. Okay. And I, I'm sure you saw it in USA Today, the hundred top NFL teams of all time. And, and I, I, I said to Ryan that, it, that w it, they made the Super Bowl shuffle bears the greatest team of all time one season. And I said, you can't have the greatest team of all time if you have Jim McMahon as your quarterback, with all due respect to what his contributions were this year. Ernie, in your football life, and and, and, and this view of the sport that you, that you have all the way back to your kid, and, and when you were a kid and being a Unitas guy, what's the greatest one-season team you ever saw? Well, since you put it that way, one season, because I thought I think the 1962 Green Bay Packers. I, I they they were so devastating and so dominant. I saw them play the Eagles, which were two years removed from World Championship in Franklin Field, and I was near the sky in the upper deck, looking down, and it was like watching a video game. 
it, if they won 49 to nothing, and the Martinette on the sidelines pushed every right button, and I don't think they had a play that didn't gain at least 10 yards. <laughs> right. I mean, it, they had everything. Now, when, when people ask me the greatest team of all time, I, I have three teams, the, the 62 Packers, yeah. the Steelers of 74 to 79, and you could pick your team. I mean, uh, that's why when you said one season. It's limited. I know it is extremely it, limiting because I said yeah. to Ryan, you can't eliminate the Steelers. And by the way, Ernie, you can't eliminate the, the Cowboys of the 1990s either. No, and the other team is if you go back and look at it, I mean, and start analyzing, and this is before, you know, the, all the, the television exposure and the NFL films and everything. But the but the Cleveland Browns the, at the end of the All American Football Conference and, and they they step into the NFL and you know win a championship immediately and playing ten straight championship games. I mean they were they were so dominant when you look at that team. Otto Graham, Marion Motley, Dante Lavelli, Max Speedy. I mean they were incredible. Although that was before we were old enough to really understand because you didn't see much of them. But the you know when the, when the greatest teams of all time whenever have, they have polls the Steelers suffer because they they split the vote right I mean right. you know the the later teams had Swan Swan and Stallworth the early teams didn't I mean but they they have nine Hall of Famers and you you can make a real solid case for Donnie Shell and Elsie Greenwood so they, right. they, I think they just got tired of putting them in I mean that would be eleven. Um, they, they were, but the '62 Packers were just then seen that. And what happened to them? And they had, I think, they were third on this list. By the way, um, yeah, on, what happened to that was '63, and they lose Horning, and he's really never the same after that because of the gambling issue. He's suspended. When he comes back, he immediately gets called up in the reserve, so he's only playing on weekends, and then he gets a pinched nerve. So he really wasn't part of the '66, '67 teams at all. But but the '62 team, when everything was at its peak. Ron Kramer, the most underrated tight end in history in this league, you ought to get a, on you know a, a, a film or a video of his '62 championship, his '61 championship game against the uh, Giants, which is which is unbelievable the way he played. He was Gronkowski before Gronkowski. He, he was, and you know his career got derailed because, you know he, I mean, in a, in a, a, a fit of humanity, he went to he had. A child, I don't think that was well, and he wanted to go back to Detroit, and, and Lombardi sent him back to Detroit. Hated to do it, but did it because he cared so much for him, and he was never the same at Detroit. But, but I, I think those teams, uh, those are the teams I think are the greatest teams. And you're right about the the great Cowboy team too. But, but I, I think there's so many great teams. But I wouldn't have the Bears. You know, and I mean they're wow. one of the great defense. That may be the best defense of all time, but. I'd have those other teams rated ahead of them. You know, I don't know if I ever told you this story. Maybe I did. This is my favorite Hornet gambling story. And I'm not, believe me, I'm not making light of gambling. But as Ernie knows, we grew up in a time where players used to joke about having a bet or two on a game. When BC started playing Notre Dame in football, one of the years they had a luncheon up at BC. And they invited Hanratty and Hornig and some other great Notre Damers. And Terry gets up. Terry and I ended up living in the same town in Connecticut for a long time. And he's just one of my favorite people on the planet. And he gets up and he gives this wonderful speech about here are the only two Catholic universities playing major college football. And everybody talks about the rivalry. But you know what? When Notre Dame is not playing BC, um, he, he roots for BC as hard as he possibly can because of the Catholic school thing. And even when Notre Dame plays BC he's happy as long as Notre Dame wins by one point and then he paused and he said Paul of course wants them to win by one and a half (laughs) (laughs) Um, Ernie when when I you know here's what I said to Ryan by the way and and and, and for for a lot of reasons it's maybe the for us, one of the most important games ever played, I said that even though they didn't win the Super Bowl, I'm not sure that the Patriots team that lost to Eli and them in Glendale wasn't for one season the greatest team of all time, even though they didn't end up with the Lombardi Trophy. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. I mean, I, uh, you know, that, that they were. I mean, there's no question about it. And it's just, you know, we, we had the right matchups. And the right game plan to win that game, which was, you know, the pass rush. And I, I tell you, the one thing about that game that gets overlooked constantly, and the same thing happened in the Buffalo Giants Super Bowl 1990, is 
we held the ball for eight and a half minutes in the yep. opening drive. And, and that you could see Brady pacing the sidelines thinking, I mean, how many times am I going to get the ball? We only got three points out of it. But that changed the whole it – was, it was Parcells' great line in, in Jerry Eisenberg's book when the defense was fretting about trying to stop Kelly as they were preparing for the Super Bowl. He said, Kelly's not playing. Right, and they looked right. at him and said, "What are you talking about?" He said, "Not playing. We're not going to give him the ball." And and they didn't. And that that's something, you know, that was masterful. That that drive was scripted, and it was I mean, it had to work, but it did. And that was such a key to that game. It made them impatient. They didn't know how many times they were going to get the ball, and then of course the pass rush took the game over. Ernie, of course, is our guest on the Mike Lupica podcast. More with Ernie right after this from Kronos. Kronos knows that many organizations maintaining a modern workforce of hourly, full, and part-time workers, for them, it can be a challenge. This is especially true for human resources professionals working hard to attract and retain all the best talent. That's why Kronos puts HR, payroll, talent, and timekeeping on a single cloud-based platform. It's one specially designed to give HR professionals supporting a blended workforce a whole new level of confidence. With it, they have everything they need to tackle nearly any human resources challenge and are empowered to not just find and hire the right people, but to engage, motivate, and reward them every single step of the way. Learn more about Kronos HR solutions for the modern workforce and the people who support them because Kronos is at heart a people business at Kronos.com slash HR swagger. Kronos workforce innovation that works. Talking to Ernie Acorsi, my friend Ernie Acorsi, and there's nothing better than talking pro football with, with, with Ernie. Ernie, one of the least remembered games that the Giants played, and when you talked about that long drive in the Super Bowl, I thought about it. The game they won in the playoffs on the road against the Cowboys. Yeah. Remember that the, the, there was an epic drive uh, of that day. The Cowboys couldn't get the ball in that game either. Yes, exactly. And, you know, I remember, uh, if you'll remember at the end of the game, we basically were out of gas on defense. And they were driving and they were running the ball. And I thought, they're going to score. And they got down, I couldn't tell you the yard line, but it was around the twenty. I was thinking, you know, they're going to score and win the game, and they threw four straight passes. Yep. And I always remembered, uh, you know, fatal. I mean, it was they got they got anxious, impatient, and and tried to win it right there, and we stopped them, and it gave us a chance to catch our breath. It was late in the game, but yes, it was. That was that was a uh, a huge game. I mean, that was to win that game on the road against them. And I think the Cowboys were thirteen and three that year, and and were big favorites in the game. Yes, they were. Yes. They and were. Ernie, you know what? When you thought it, pe- people going against the run sometimes when they shouldn't, I, it, it, then you know it always one thing always touches off another when you're talking about the, these big games like that. It's it's when the Falcons all they needed was a field goal to put the the Patriots right. away in the Super Bowl and what did they do they 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 decided to throw the ball there was a sack and 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 all of a sudden the the game changed in that moment exactly you know I talk a lot to John Madden and we 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 talk and we rehash but you know he had a great point to me he said you know I, I read well that we were running our, our system you know, what system go win the game <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's no system run the ball run the clock down I mean you know it, it's funny uh, <laughs> and some teams still do but it's almost like the running game is obsolete and now they run the ball but it's almost like an electric football game let's try this run I mean you know Years ago, they had a running game. I always said, you don't have to have a Hall of Fame running back, but you have to have a great running game. And a running game is a philosophy. And, you know, I learned a lot from the players over the years. And Rosie Brown said, you know, we would wear teams down. You could see it in their eyes. Yep. Because nothing takes your heart away and your spirit away more than the inability to stop the run. The pass doesn't do it. Because you can figure the next play, we can make an interception. But when they start dominating you on the running game, that breaks your spirit. My pal, the great Ernie Acorsi is our guest on the Mike Lubica podcast. More of our conversation right after this from Geico. 
Okay, this is a 30-second commercial, and I'm going to throw a lot of numbers at you, but please stay with me, because if, if it doesn't confuse me, it's not going to confuse you. In just 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. This company has been offering great rates and great service for over 75 years. And anytime you need help, you can speak to one of their trained specialists 24-7. The company, of course, is Geico. Go to geico.com today. Sorry for all the numbers. And in five, four, three, two, one. Oh, damn it. I'm out of time. We're talking to my buddy, Ernie Acorsi. Ernie, okay. I, I was thinking about this last night, getting ready for this podcast. And, and there's not a lot of preparation because you do all the work. But I was thinking there are, and maybe you disagree with me, but when you were on the point running teams, there are three seminal moments in your career as your story career as an NFL executive. One is you draft Elway. Two is you hire a guy. I don't know whatever happened to him. This guy, Bill Belichick, to be the coach of the Browns. Right. Right. And then you make a draft day trade for Eli Manning. That is one of the most uh, single important deals in the history of New York sports. It changes the, the, the course of history. So, Ernie, there are two really good ones there. And then, but the first one was, was kind of unhappy. And I wanted to ask you this. Do you think that we will ever see a circumstance like the one you encountered with John Elway? No, because what happened, and I never believed this, but I was a complete lone wolf is that they did a great job of leveraging the baseball. But, but <laughs> right, the they made him the sound matter, like he was Steinbrenner. The... <laughs> so it was Steinbrenner who really wanted... They convinced him that he was the new yeah. Mickey Mantle. <laughs> but he was, you know, he was playing in a rookie league. He was hitting 265. He was right. four years older. And, and, you know, the thing I never really went public with on this, because I wanted to protect them, but they're all gone now, <laughs> is that I had his scouting report. And the reason I had it yeah. was that... And this is ancient history, but it's true. Hank Peters, who was the general manager of the Orioles, was one of my best friends in sports. Legendary I mean, guy. Yeah, Legendary wonderful guy. man. The Orioles way. I mean, right. that was really him. He was, he was a farm director of the St. Louis Browns when Bob Neiman, who was a very good hitter, was with the Browns. And eventually moved Neiman into scouting. They were best friends. And that's how far back it goes. And, and now, you know, I called Hank. I said, you tell me what kind of prospect this guy is. He said, I don't really think he's much of a prospect, but let, let me find out. He said, <laughs> and I said, I know where you're going. I mean, I knew it was Neiman because Neiman was the chief scout of the Yankees. <laughs> yeah. He, and he, he calls me back and he said, I'm not giving it to you because you could lose it, but I'm going to read it to you. And it starts at the top with NP, no prospect. He said, and, you know, and I said this to, to Ursay, and I shouldn't have really said it because he didn't really want to sign him. What scared him off, and this sounds like minimal at this point, he said, what's it going to cost? I said, $5 million for five years. Now, that's a joke now, but no one had gotten $5 million for five years, and I could tell that he didn't want to pay that kind of money. But anyway, here's how I looked at it, Mike. Number one, July 20th, he's sitting 246 in a bus in Greensboro. Where's he going? <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, with a bunch of eighteen-year-old kids, and, and and he's, you know, and he knows. He he knows he's probably never going to make the big leagues if his name's not John Elway. He was probably in a rookie league. Now, that was number one. Number two, what? First of all, I thought it was going to wreck my career. But what really influenced me was, I grew up in my teens and then into my professional ranks with every time the Colts played the Steelers. Everybody wrote the Steelers gave him away. Unitas. Okay. Right. Johnny Unitas. Okay. Yeah. Everybody wrote it. All, and in those days, you know, the NFL had 12 and then 14 teams. We, even though they were in separate divisions, the Colts played the Steelers often. Every time the Rooneys had to answer that question. And I said to myself, I'm not going down in history as a guy that gave John Elway away. He was the greatest prospect I ever saw. And, and I, I said, I'm, I'm not going to do it. And, 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 I was the, and I said, I'm not selling this franchise down the road either. I mean, I'm not going to. And I was, I was alone, Mike. No, nobody backed me. I mean, Roselle was talking to them off. Uh, people were going around me to get to Ursay. The only team that, that dealt with me squarely were the Patriots. Right? And I told Chucky Sullivan, I said, I don't care if you offer me the franchise. I'm not going to send him to a team where we have to play him twice a year. Right. But, but everybody else 
went around me, tried to take it, and eventually, you know, they succeeded because they got him. And that's when I knew, you know, I, I knew, number one, I had to leave the Colts. And number two, I thought my career's wrecked because, but I was not, you know, I was not going to give him. Now, I would have given him away. I, I called Joel Bussert. I said, what's the most any team has ever gotten for a player in a trade in the NFL history? It was OJ at the time. Right. And I said, I'm adding one number one. That's the price. And everybody said, well, you're not, you know, I'll, I'll tell you one last story. They had this thing called executive session. It's all different now, where it was just the owner and an attorney, and there were no GMs in there. But Ursay left because he, he flew back to Chicago with his attorney. And I'm in the room before the draft with 31 owners, and they're all over me. Like, you've got to trade this guy. We're going to lose him to baseball. You've got to trade this guy. And I, I, first of all, I don't belong in the room. And, you know, they don't respect me. I'm not an owner. One guy came up to me, circled behind me, and came up to me and said, don't let them push you around, kid. Al Davis. He was the only really? person. I don't let them push you around. But, I, you know, I was stubborn. And, yeah, practically, probably I should have traded him, drafted Marino, and I would have been fine. But I wasn't going to give in. And... Uh, you know, and then he, he got was given away anyway. But but that was that. Story. How do you and I think I've asked you this before? How do you and Elway get along now? Great. I mean, when when uh, they made him general manager, I think somebody told him to do it. He he called me and asked me, and we actually I advised him for about a year. I mean, I don't know if I did any good, but but uh, yeah, we got along great. And then uh, you know, Sports Illustrated, Peter King ran a a draft, an all time draft, and. I was one of the selectors, right? And I, you know, I, I would have not picked him first. There, were, there was Otto Graham, and there was John Unitas, and other quarterbacks, Tom Brady. But I had a low pick, and I picked him. So I sent him a text. I said, "I just picked you again. Will you play this time?" <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go to Cleveland. Now you end up in Cleveland, all right? And and I'm not saying that you knew that Belichick would be this. Okay, I'm not saying that at all, but you obviously saw a hell of a lot in him and and believe still that if if there was not this incredible vortex of events at that time in Cleveland, that he would have succeeded there. Yes, and he he got the job from an interview two years prior to when we hired him. What happened is Marty and Art Modell, Marty Schottenheimer and Art Modell, really basically nobody got he didn't get fired. It was a divorce. We had gone to five straight playoffs, three championship games, and we just and he had just done his greatest coaching job. Six quarterback injuries, four different quarterbacks. Two of them got hurt twice. I mean, I I got Strock off the golf course. He came, he came up and with three days practice and beat the Eagles. And and we we got through this season. We lost the playoff game by one point to Houston, and they they just. They, you know, it was over his brother, really. Art wanted him to get rid of his brother. I said, that, that ain't going to happen. I mean, you know, he's not going to fire his brother. His brother was a secondary coach. But now I'm, I'm stuck with this team that is on a, it's got one breath left. And I come up with the idea that I'm going to hire Bud Carson. We might be able to steal this thing. I thought of him as Earl Weaver, this cantankerous little genius. And, you know, and physic. You know, that's not a bad anal- no, analogy. They yeah. they kind of looked a lot alike. Yeah, I mean, I thought, and I knew it wasn't a long range thing, but, but I had been with Bud in Baltimore, and I thought he was brilliant. And so I brought him in, and he we got us to the championship game. We we played, but we were out of gas. Kozar was hurt. Ozzie Newsom was on his last days, and so we the next year he destroys himself really, and but prior to hiring. Uh, Bud, people kept telling me you ought to talk to Belichick. Now, I, you know, I followed him. I knew him. He came to Baltimore as I left in 1975 to go to the league office. I interviewed him at the Senior Bowl for lunch. I said, okay, I'll have lunch with him. It was perfunctory. At the Marriott in Mobile. I sat down at 12 o'clock. I said, look, I'm going to get out of here, too, because I want to go to practice. I left about 4.30. Yep. I blew practice off. It was... And I walked out of there. I said, you know, you, you remind me of the first time I heard John Kennedy in a debate, which hit me with, this guy's been preparing to be president since he's been seven years old. That's exactly what I was struck with with you. I, I said, you, you know what? I said, you were 20 strokes behind. You just out of 62. 
You're not going to win, but you, you're going to finish second, okay? And I never forgot that. Now, so it came down when, when we now get to hire Bud Carson's successor. I wasn't as strong with Bodell at that point anymore because he was blaming me for the flame out that Carson had. But I did have a voice with it, and finally, as time when the process went on, it, we narrowed it to Cowher and Belichick. And that's a pretty good Wow. Pick, okay? Yeah. That's who we, okay, we had Hat Cowher. So, and that was Marty's influence. And I, I ranked Belichick first, and, I mean, I thought he was brilliant. Did I think he was going to win six, six Super <laughs> yeah. Bowls and counting? Right. No. Yeah. But I, I, I thought he was brilliant, and... I thought he was revolutionary, too. I mean, he just would say things that I'd never thought of before. I'll I'll never forget this. He said, you win the game in the middle of the field. I said, what do you mean? He said, because people are vulnerable in the middle of the field. They protect the sidelines. And I I never thought of that. Now I started to look at that. And there were little things like that that I'd never heard. And I'd been around some pretty good coaches. I just, I thought, and there's no question in my mind, under the proper circumstances, he wins in Cleveland. Uh, but that you know the city turned on started rooting against the Browns the second year right right and they're so, going there. yeah so that because of the move but yeah I I mean he's uh, the timing couldn't have been worse for him in Cleveland no you know right. I, I think I told you this story once maybe I didn't but when 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 the Broncos were coming into Jersey to play the Super Bowl against the Seahawks. I called Stacy James with the Patriots, and I, I've 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 always had a good relationship with Bill Belichick. I really like him. I, I, I watched a spring training game with him the year before last, and it was great because it was clear he didn't know a lot about baseball, and he was with Larusa. Ernie, at one point, he turned to Larusa. He said, "Well, if you make a trade and the player doesn't want to go, what happens?" And Larusa looked at him. He said, "Bill, what are you talking about?" And he said he has to go or he doesn't get to play anymore. And then Bill says, oh, okay. So, so anyway, I call up Stacy and I said, everybody's talking all these years about Brady versus Manning. I said, that's not the rivalry. The rivalry is Belichick versus Manning. And I said, just tell him I want to talk about Peyton. Ernie, I, we were on the phone for about 40 minutes that day. I swear to you, I spoke for maybe three of those just asking questions. And to listen to the football come pouring out of this man. He, Ernie, at one point, he did 10 minutes on Peyton's cadences and how you could watch him against the Chargers three weeks ago and the, the play you knew was coming and the cadences and then you'd play him and the cadences would be completely different. And I and I thought to myself that day, this is who this guy is. Yeah. And for all the on to Cincinnati and all that other crap and Spygate and all that other crap, he, you know, this is who he is. This was the coach's son in, in like the pluperfect tense. And, and you know, the, the little known... Fact on him, I just served on the committee of, to pick the top 100 players uh, in, in commemoration with the 100th anniversary of the league. The history this guy knows, he had a library that he is, that he's uh, donated to somebody in Annapolis, I think, uh, to, I think his high school. But he, he knew, he's been a student of football history since he's been a little kid. The, the thing, and, and the other thing is, when you break down those teams... I mean, there are going to be other Hall of Famers, but there's not a slam dunk other than Brady. Right. I'm talking about a slam dunk. I'm talking about Mean Joe Green. There, there, there is. There's going to be other guys make it. Okay, Ty Law or whatever. But you know, it's amazing. He's turned the personnel over. He sits there on draft day, and you know, people say, "Well, you know, he's got this formula that that uh, he trades draft high draft choices for a whole bunch of." I said, "Yeah, that's a great formula if you're smart enough to to find the right players when he picks them." Right. I mean, it's not the formula that wins; it's his ability to find players, and he doesn't he doesn't draft players for the league. He drafts players for him. I mean, everybody's got a role. Everybody, has, this is what I want you to do for us. Where so many people and personnel say, well, he lacks this, he lacks that. As the great George Young said one time, we had Roger Carr, who was a, you know, an explosive receiver. Nobody could cover him. And there were coaches on our staff said, well, he won't go across the middle. George said, then don't send him across the middle, okay? <laughs> yeah, right. right. I mean, but he, that's the way he looks at the game. As brilliant as he is, there's a practicality to him and a common sense to him. 
And, and Ernie, he went, he went, he was the defensive genius of those old Giants teams. And then because the game changed, he changed with it. He became yep. an offensive coach. But then last year, he wins a Super Bowl 13 to 3. I know. I know. And he, they need one drive, and he, they get one drive. Yep. Then people said it was boring. No, it wasn't boring. It was like a Stanley Cup playoff game. And you knew that the next score was going to win it. They make the play to set up the touchdown. No, I think he's, I mean, he's, you know, listen, it's, it's hard to compare eras and all that, but Lombardi won five championships in seven years uh, and had great records the two years he didn't win. One year was the suspension of warning, but, uh, but it's tough. To, it, this guy, who God only knows where it's, if he keeps, I mean, he looks like he's in good health. He's 67 years old, but he, I mean, he may win two or three more. And and Ernie, you know, it, do you think that there is a part? I mean, this is complete speculation, but it's, that's the fun of being a, a sports fan. Do you think that that he will he will stop when Brady stops, or do you think he would like to win one more without Brady, despite the greatest partnership probably in the history of professional sports? Well, I, I, and I'm going to counter with something that's pure speculation too. These, these two guys are, are two of the greatest competitors in NFL history and two of the greatest at their positions in life in NFL history. You know, it, and they're still human beings with human nature. You know they would both love to win one without the other, okay? <laughs> yeah, You I know. know that. And, and, and that. and it's almost like I don't think either of them are going to quit until they get that chance. Right. And, and, and it's really it, it's, it's interesting because it's – you know, what would be proper would be for them to go out together. But that's going to be interesting. Now, you know, Divine Providence will probably enter this because if Brady gets hurt, then that's going to force the issue. If he doesn't get hurt and continues to play at this level, that's going to be a fascinating finish to their careers because, uh, you know, so many people say, well, he had Brady. Well, I know he had Brady. He picked him in the sixth round. So, you know, we went to the Super Bowl in 2000, 2001. We practiced against them for a week. He was the fourth quarterback, and he kept him. Nobody keeps four quarterbacks. He kept him. He knew he wasn't ready to help. He wasn't going to let him go. He kept four quarterbacks. Eventually got rid of one, I think, the second or third week. He had a kid from Kansas State, I think. But Mutzow was clearly number one, but Brady was four. He moved him up to number two pretty quick. So he has to... You know, he deserves some credit for development there, too. It's not like he just picked a guy in the lottery and he became Tom Brady day one. So, uh, you know, he had a lot to do with with Brady's development. But it's going to be interesting to see how it ends, though. Hey, Ernie, you know, you, you, I was going to ask you this because, you, you, you know, you're, Unitas is your all-time quarterback. In your life in pro football, is there anything more remarkable than Brady playing at this level at at this age, he will enter the current season at the age of forty two. No, I think. No, I mean, I, Rice was great for a long time at a different position, but I've th- there's never been anything no. like this guy's career. Look, it's the hardest. Look, I, I know that people in other sports will argue. Maybe the goalie. It's the hardest sport. It's the hardest position in sports. It's the most important position in sports. I mean, you've got. I know that they call plays and all that, but you watch him play. He's changing everything at the line of scrimmage. He sees everything at the line of scrimmage, and it's you know he Romo, who does a great job as an analyst, sees that so many times. You'll hear him anticipate that. You know, this is going to Gronkowski because he sees there's a mismatch over there. He sees all kinds of things on on the field. So he, in a sense, even though it's different now than in the '50s and '60s where they were true field generals. He is a field general in addition to a player. So he's got an immense amount of responsibility on his shoulders. And look at the receivers he's played with. Right. Compared to some of the other receivers that championship teams, Swan and Stallworth, for crying out loud. I mean, it's, it's amazing what he's achieved. I mean, if you would have said to me 15 years ago, when he won his first title, that he's going to be 42 years old winning Super Bowls, I would have said, no, that's not going to happen. It's impossible. The position's too hard. We're talking to my dear friend Ernie Accorsi on the Mike Lubica podcast. A reminder to visit Indochino.com and use promo code Lupica. 
And if you've been listening to me talk about it, either at the, at the Mike Lupica podcast or on the Sports Reporters podcast, you know how easy the website is to use and how cool the store experience is. Usually you get one, but not both. Everything at Indochino is tailored to you. I love it. I order shirts online, and it's amazing how their process ensures the proper fit, even while shopping online. And it's quality stuff. And you know when I'm on TV, I have to be looking my best, so you have to check them out. Indochino, the world's most exciting made-to-measure menswear company, makes shirts and suits to your exact measurements for an unparalleled fit and comfort. You can personalize every single detail, fabric, lining, lapel, pockets, buttons, even your own monogram. Online at Indochino.com or at any of their 40-plus locations across North America. Then relax while your suit gets professionally tailored and mailed to you in a couple of weeks. This week, my listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $369. That's at Indochino.com when entering Lupica at checkout. That's 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code Lupica, for any premium suit for just $369 and free shipping. That's an incredible deal for a premium made-to-measure suit. Believe me, once you go custom, you don't go back. And you look, it's it's funny you bring up receivers, because Moss was past his prime. He was still pretty great when, when the Giants played him in the Super Bowl and, and came with it a, an eyelash. Oh, my God, we've talked about this before, and, but we'll talk about it again now. I, where I'm sitting, you're in the stands in Glendale that night, okay? Right. Where the where the press box was, Moss is coming right at me as Brady throws the greatest damn incomplete pass, I think, in NFL history. Because all of a sudden, you're watching that ball in the air. And here comes Randy Moss down the sidelines. And I think, this is like a scud missile. This is a perfect throw. He's going to catch this ball, and the Patriots are going to be 19-0. and And I always blank. Uh, is it Jabril Wilson who got a hand? And, and that's exactly right. I'm sitting there thinking, there is a five-foot-ten-and-a-half safety down there. <laughs> <laughs> that's where yeah. it's going. And, yeah. and Moss is 6'4", okay? Right, right. With great hands. So, uh, yeah, it's exactly what it looked like. It was one of the most perfectly thrown balls I've ever seen. And I'm all on a single covers, and I'm thinking, oh no, that's, that's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's and I'm telling you, I am watching this. It's like Ernie the night I was at the Final Four in Indianapolis when Gordon Hayward puts up a half court shot to, that would have beaten Duke if it goes in at the buzzer. Okay, right. uh, an Indiana kid making the shot. It would be the greatest college basketball story of all time, and he he flings it from half court, and I'm about. I'm in the first row of the press seats, and I'm about six feet from this kid when he lets it go. And all I can think of when the ball is in the air is, holy shit, it's going to go in. Yeah. And, it, and, and they did some study afterwards how little it was off or it would have banked in. That was Brady's pass to Moss at the end of Super Bowl Forty Two. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I remember that clearly. It, it, it's Now, Brady, Brady is... Uh, you know he stands alone at this point. He he's just remarkable, and and the you know the, the story's not over. Hey Ernie, I, I was thinking about this the other day. We, I was talking about this with Bob Ryan and Mitch Album. Will any team ever have brought a bigger chip on its shoulder into this season than the New Orleans Saints were? I, I all I keep thinking about is what Drew Brees has been thinking about himself since that game. He's past forty now. He knows that he was going, it was almost impossible for him to lose that championship game unless that call is blown, okay? And all I'm thinking about the Saints is we, there's never any justice in sports. There's no, you know, everybody talks about karma and justice. Sports doesn't work that way. If it takes something from you one year, it doesn't give it back to you the next. But man, oh man, are the are the Saints, is there a team that will be more motivated than them this season? No, and I'm going to give you a parallel. Now, I know you're going to think you have to go back in history all the time, but there is a parallel to this. In 1965, Unitas and Cuazo got hurt, and Tom Maddy had to play a playoff game in Green Bay. With the plays written on his wrist. Right. I remember. In the first yeah. play of the game, 
Uh, Starr throws an interception. Don Schenick intercepts it. He goes over to make the tackle out of the game. So now it's Zeke Brickowski against Maddie. Shula does one of the greatest coaching jobs in history and has got the Colts ahead by three. The Packers are driving. They sack Bretkowski, and they've got a field goal. Chandler's the field goal kicker, and they don't – I don't know how long it was. It's in the 40s. Oh, that's the blown call yeah. on the so field goal. Gene oh, my Tunney, God. Yep, yep, Arm Schachter yep. is behind the quarterback. Gene Tunney's underneath the, the goal post. Which are short in those days. Right. Which are, which are yeah, short. Yeah. That's the last game they were short. Okay. Yep. The ball's up over the upright. Chandler goes to his knees and buries his head in his hands. They call it good. Okay. Yep. There's no official in America that's making that call against Lombardi and Green Bay in December of 65. Okay? So it's good. Uh, and. The Colts go absolutely nuts. I, I can remember. I can remember the dotted pictures in the paper the next yeah, yeah. day well, showing where the ball. A, there was a sports writer in Baltimore named John Stedman who, I think, uh, spent the next six months with with machine gun cameras and all these things. Not <laughs> because of it, they extended the uprights. Okay, right. so now Roselle, as, as he often did, he starts the '66 season. Saturday night in Milwaukee, Baltimore at Green Bay. Pat Pepper told me this story. He said, and I, it, without the profanity, I will tell you. And he said, <laughs> okay. and Pat Pepper was his personnel director, but he was stood beside him in all the games. So they, they come back in after pregame warm-ups and Lombardi says, the whole country is covering the game. This is the revenge game. Okay, You talk about a chip on your shoulder. Right. Unitas is healthy. Lombardi steps in the middle of the locker room and said, look, it's, don't get caught up in this hysteria. Every writer in America is here. It's national television. It's just another game. Well, Pepper said the players are looking at each other like, has he lost his mind? <laughs> it's just another game. It's, it's just, if we lose this game, we can still win a division. If we win it, there's no guarantee we will win the division. It's just another game. And it went on and on, and, and it got worse. And finally, at the end, he says, but I want to say one thing, Okay. You are the champions of the world. <laughs> yeah. Not the Los Angeles Rams, not the Detroit Lions, not the New York Giants. And sure as blank, not the Baltimore Colts. It was 21 nothing at the end of the first quarter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's what happens to a lot of these revenge deals now, okay? You, because you think you're 100% right. You think, okay, we're going to even the score now. Yep. You know, it, it, and, and it doesn't happen. I mean, but... Yep. It, it very rarely happens. So, no, no, I agree with you. They're going to be out to prove. And if things go wrong, you know, that's going to work against them. It would have been. You think about it now. Okay, nothing against the Rams. They're terrific. I love Sean McVay, all that stuff. Okay. Can you imagine if we had had two 40-something quarterbacks going against each other in that game? It would have been great because of the high level. And, and, and you look at it, Ernie, Breeze had a better year than Brady did last year. Yeah, Breeze to me is, is, is mind-blown, too. I mean, you look at his... Uh, his height, and his, it, you know, I mean, it, and he, he was fortunate, too, because he had a great system in San Diego, and Sean Payton knew exactly what he was doing. You have to give him credit from a personnel standpoint, but, you know, besides the coaching, knew exactly what he was doing with that guy. And, and that, yeah, that would have been a classic showdown. Ernie, of course, he's our guest on the Mike Lubica podcast. More of our conversation right after this from Geico. Everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add, save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Extra money in your pocket? It just may be the most rewarding to do you do today. All right, so we're talking about short quarterbacks, and I'm talking to a man who's been pretty biased his, his whole career against short quarterbacks, except he's turned around now because of Breeze and Russell Wilson. All right, I'm going to throw you a name and tell you, ask you honestly what your expectations are for this kid this year. You know who I'm going, Kyler Murray. Uh, I'm open-minded about it. 
And you haven't, you didn't see a whole lot of them. In no, college, no, I right? didn't. Ernie no, no. always says, if if you're not watching these kids, if you're not looking at tape, if you haven't seen them in person, then your the, the, then your your idea about what they're going to do is no more informed than a fan sitting in front of his television. Set. No, and and, and you got to put your hands on them, so to speak. I mean, you know, I always said I'm not evaluating a franchise quarterback from my couch. I mean, it ain't going to happen. I mean, when, when we drafted in 2004, I went to every pro day, including Schaub in Virginia. Every, it was, there was a trail. It was a little army going to all these workouts. And finally, we got to Charlottesville. It was just me and Mike Sherman. I said, we're the last two. Because everybody else got off the train by the time we got to Schaub. But I, I wanted to see them. I, you know, I wanted to see them in person. You have to. Even the Eli game that I saw him as junior, I went to the field before the game. I wasn't supposed to be there, and they threw me off, but I got a chance to see what I wanted to see. But So I've, I haven't seen enough of him. But right. he, you know, he, he looks like he's going to be a nightmare to play against. That's what he looks like. The game has changed. There's no question the game has changed. And now, you know, it, it's you still have Brady winning championships. It was a pocket passer. But I think, you know, I think he, you know, I think he's going to be terrific. I really do. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, and I'll I, tell you why, Ernie. You know what game I always go back to? The game when it was twenty-eight nothing against him against Alabama, and and I I can't imagine another player who would have actually made you think for a little while that they had a chance to come yeah. back in that game, and it was by the force of this kid's talent. He can throw too. I mean, like I said, I want to see it in person, but. I wanted to see. I would want to see his release and his accuracy and all that. But it's going to come down to accuracy because he's going to be thrown a lot on the run, and that's hard. But uh, he has an arm. He has a strong arm. It's going to be interesting. I, as like I said, I hate to play against them because he's he's going to be a nightmare to try to defense. And the thing is, Ernie, people say, "Oh, he's like Mahomes," except Mahomes is bigger than people think. You know, yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, he just is. And all right, let me let well, let's finish today by by going back to our a favorite subject of ours, Eli. And and I tell people, and I and it's a, there's a very strong chorus of people who are against. I I believe he's going to end up in the Hall of Fame. Okay, well I'll, I'll just say that, and I know you two do. <sighs> Ernie, has there ever been a more unusual resume than 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 he has in the postseason? <laughs> Those two Super Bowl runs and the rest of his career. He's never won a single playoff game. It's amazing. I mean, he hasn't had a tremendous amount of opportunities. Um, you know, they've missed, even after they won the first Super Bowl, they missed the playoffs a couple times. So it's not like he's had a million opportunities, but no, he, he you know, he's, uh, look, I know it sounds like I'm justifying his career, but I only pick a quarterback for one reason, win championships. That's right. it. Yep. Nothing else matters. And I'll, I'll, grade a quarterback down if he's had opportunities to win championships but hasn't and you know there have been a lot of great quarterbacks from john brody to you know romo uh that are fouts, tremendous fouts yeah fouts is another guy yeah, yeah exactly and but you know th- could they do it when the chips were on the table and that's to me that is the key criteria because my whole life i watched football where did this guy scare me or did he not scare me? Bobby Lane, who could barely throw a tight spiral, when he had the ball late in the game and I was a kid rooting for the Colts, I was scared out of my mind. I knew he was going to take the ball down the field. I knew we weren't going to stop him. I mean, Sims had a lot of that in him, too. Yes, he did. Sims, Sims was tough to beat when the game was on the line. And, and I mean, that's the way I evaluate quarterbacks. You start looking at analytics and statistics and, which you, and the record you just said certainly – uh, you know, it works against Eli, but but I know one thing. You know, the first Super Bowl, I I, I felt, boy, I hope he does it because this is why we drafted him. The right. second Super Bowl, I I just felt he's going to do it, and he almost did it too fast, but I just knew he was going to do it. And and Ernie, we, I was, we were talking about this again the other day. I was talking about this with my giant fan sons. Okay. Has there ever? Did you ever see a better throw? I'm, I'm sure that there are throws as good as a throw to Manningham in the second Super Bowl in Indianapolis from the shadow of his own goalposts. No, that was between two between career. two guys. Oh my God! It's, it's funny because what he's known for more was the Tyree throw, but it, but it, it, that was the throw to me that defined him in that in that second Super Bowl. You think he's got something left in the tank? Yeah, I do. I mean, I don't. You know, I, I think 
the the thing that, that that I noticed that he's throwing the you know he's been throwing the ball quicker than he ever did before, which is hurting. You know, because it's, it does, it, it's not a matter, you know, it's laughable almost. Well, he was protected on that play. No, it doesn't matter whether he was protected on that play. If he doesn't trust the protection, he doesn't know he's going to be protected on that play. So right. he plays like he doesn't have protection. And I think he has become, you know, he's lost confidence in his protection. Now, Dave's done a great job. If these guys all can play, he's... You he mean the guys in front of him? The guys in front of him? Yeah. And, and he's got a chance now if... If he feels confident with them and they look like they all have ability, if they develop, uh, you know, we had a great coach with with the uh, Super Bowl lines. They were not multi-talented, uh, but they did a great job for him. If he trusts his protection, you know, I know his receiver situation, you know, is scary, but uh, the tight end's got to, you know, surface now and, you know, live up to his number one draft choice. I think he's going to be more of a flex tight end. I don't think he's going to be a Gronkowski. He's going to be more of a big wide receiver or like Boyd Dowler. Um, but I, I do think that he's got a chance to finish okay. I, I really do. Ernie Corsi is one of the great figures uh, over half century in the National Football League. His, 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 and, and, you know, of all the favorite quotes I have attached to the Giants, and I tell you, I grew up in Oneida, New York, as a Giants fan, when you didn't have 100 games every week, where the highlight of my football year was watching the Giants against Jim Brown. But one of my favorite quotes of all time is the Super Bowl 42 in Glendale, when, when Eli gets the ball and on the drive that, that kept the, the Patriots from being 19-0, and 0, Mr. Accorsi is in the stands and turns to his son and he said, if he's what I thought he was going to be, he'll be that now. And he was. And uh, Ernie, it is always a joy to talk about sports and football. Next time I have you on, maybe we'll just talk about baseball because, of course, he is a frustrated baseball general manager You're and, right. and, and, and not football. Ernie, thank you so much. All right, Mike, it's my pleasure. I enjoyed it. Ernie, of course, on the Mike Lubin podcast. We, I, I know what you're thinking today. If you've listened to this podcast, we don't have him on enough because the sweep of his memory and the sweep of his memories is 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 is, is a thing to behold. This is our podcast. These are the people I am lucky enough to talk to. Continue to download. Continue to subscribe. Go to Spotify. Go to Stitcher. Go to Apple Podcasts. If you want to leave comments, it'll be nice about Ernie. Maybe not so nice about me, but we will read them, and we will talk to you in a few days, everybody. The Mike Lupica Podcast is produced and distributed by Compass Media Networks in conjunction with Hiltzik Creative. For iPhone users, go to the podcast app and search the Mike Lupica Podcast. Click on the Mike Lupica Podcast icon and subscribe. For non-iPhone users, you can listen on Google Play Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast platform. 